probably did hate Mayo and we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod live Thursday, June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, we are talking La Rochelle 24, Leinster 21 at the Stade Velodrome. Matt Williams is on the line. He was at the game in Marseille. Hey, Matt. Hey, Joe. How are you, Matty? Yeah, very well. Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times, also at the game, I'm sure. Jerry, how are you doing? Not too bad, Joe. How are you doing, Joe? Matt? Hey, Jerry. Matt, pitch side for a lot of it, an extraordinary occasion from start to finish. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was some day. All right. Very, very hot conditions. Pack crowd, a lot more intimidating stadium for Leinster than I had anticipated. The Lush, La Rochelle supporters were vast and loud. Uh, it was an absolutely dramatic game that La Rochelle seemed to have lost time and time and time again. And as Ronan O'Kara pointed out to me when I was talking to him post-match on uh, on TV with you, Joe, the only time La Rochelle led in the match was the 79th minute. Mm. <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> it was pretty extraordinary. And and if they hadn't have led in the 79th minute and lost, they would have received great criticism for being highly inaccurate, giving away lots of penalties, terrible, terrible sin bin and wasting a great opportunity. And yet somehow they found a way to keep Leinster out and Leinster just couldn't put them to the sword. And we're sitting there in those last moments just realising with a sinking feeling, my goodness, Leinster are going to lose this game and La Rochelle are going to win it. And that's that's obviously the way history has gone. And I don't know if you saw the scenes of La Rochelle coming back, the team coming back into the city of La Rochelle yesterday, it was on a bus coming into the port area of La Rochelle. It was like something out of a movie. Tens and tens of thousands of supporters screaming and singing with flags as the bus so slowly found its way through the crowd. It was really extraordinary scenes and there. There'll be very low productivity in La Rochelle business for some time to come, I would imagine. Yeah, we saw the scenes. Extraordinary. Don't tell me French teams and fans don't care about the top 14 or about the um, European Cup as opposed to top 14. Well, you know, Rog deserves huge credit, which he's getting, but he has transformed that club from a club that had no interest in Europe to champions and has taken the whole city, if not province, with him. Uh, And that just goes to show what leadership is. And some clubs get Europe in France. They have a history of it. They want it. They desire its passion. And other clubs don't. And that all stems from the leadership. And Ronan has proved that uh, to be unequivocally true. And he deserves great credit for it, Uh, not just for the win, but for that saying to to the club, to the president, Europe is valuable. Europe is something that we will enjoy. We can get a lot out of it. It's a, it's a, a cause worth fighting for. And you can see that the, the people of La Rochelle have bought into that. I mean, they're truly extraordinary scenes. And you know what? Like I'm Leinster and I want Leinster to win. That's really good for the competition in a lot of ways too. It's, it's really heartful 
to see it's not just Saracens or Leinster or or Toulouse. It's it's more than that. And there's now there's a new big dog on the block, and I think that's really really healthy for the competition. Mm. Jerry Rodden Nagara, what are we saying at this stage about the guy? It's quite extraordinary, you know. I was asking a few of my colleagues. Surely this has to be the greatest achievement by an Irish coach abroad. Um, when you think of the CVs putting together now and the work he's done to get the situation going off to New Zealand for a couple of years to learn about Crusaders and their winning formula, having already cut his teeth in racing, and then to come back and become in as basically the number two to John O'Gibbs and then to take over this season. Very difficult task taking over a club that reached two finals. Like there's very little room for progression above that. There's plenty of room for um, a fall off. And, uh, you know, they had a tough start to season, really tough draw to lose first up at home, lost that one narrowly, Claremont away. They lost their first three games and, you know, it's been a battle for them. Like it's been tough, tough first campaign for them because it always is for sides that reach the final of the French Championship because they've got the least pre-season then before they start off again. Um, and uh, it's a remarkable achievement to go all the way and win the Champions Cup. I think nobody can dispute the fact that it was a masterful game plan that he and Donica Ryan, the rest of the coaching staff, concocted. They knew that the speed of Lentz's rock ball and getting to the edges are their two lifebloods. And they went after every breakdown, um, not often illegally, got away with the play the laws to the absolute nth degree. Same with the offside line in cutting off the outside edge, which meant that James Lowe hardly featured in the game as an attacking threat, just purely for kicking purposes. Whereas they themselves, through getting, the, and true to Rogers' word that they would play ball, they themselves turned up the power game when they had to, but also, you know, when after generating go-forward ball through Will Skelton or whomever through the middle, were able to get to the edge far, far better. And that was perfectly evidenced in the Raymond Rule try and from that moment onwards, really, Leinster were never comfortable. I'm sure we're going to the match in more greater detail, yeah, but yeah. you have to say it was a complete... If anything, Ron O'Gara and the La Rochelle think tank outthought Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster and Cohen Leinster. And that was a big factor in the win. Well, I'll come back to that point. It strikes me, Matt, as well, we are 14, 15 months out from a World Cup, after which the next World Cup cycle starts. So the powers that be in various countries will be thinking about the next cycle and they will have noticed what O'Gara has done here. Like so ahead of schedule. This is like the kind of thing a coach spends five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, a decade, you know, building something to reach this kind of a mountaintop. And O'Gara is just so far ahead of schedule here. Who knows what his plans are? Difficult man to read at times, but it's hard not to think that he will certainly be on the shortlist of quite a few very significant test match uh, countries to take over after 2023. There'll, there'll certainly be conversations and phone calls, I would think. There's a couple of nice images I have here. The, all the Munster supporters were supporting Lara Schiller, and that's great. I understand it with Donica uh, Ryan there, who is such a wonderful bloke, and, and Ronan. And if Ronan then coaches England, I can't wait to see all the Munster supporters supporting England then. I, I'm looking forward to that moment. <laughs> I'd throw one spanner in the... In the yeah. uh, very Jerry's spokes there, and I think we all forget Mark McCall is uh, a very proud member of the Irish rugby community too, and has several European Cups and, cha- and premierships under his belt at Saracen. So I think we just got to keep it in perspective. There is no doubt that Ronan has done a brilliant job. Um, if I would give advice to Ronan, and I would like everyone out there just to to breathe a bit, 
you've got to extend your career as a coach. If you jump too early, you get pumped out the other end too early. I certainly hope Ronan stays for a number of seasons at La Rochelle and builds a significant library of experience. I think it was very – I texted him this and he didn't like it. They, La Rochelle lost to Perpignan and Bayritz uh, this year who are last and second last in the top 14. And they're all great experiences for a young coach. You've got to know that you've got to know the hard yards as well as the good ones. And what Ronan did really well this year was back end his season. So the the uh, and and Donica suggested this to me on Saturday when I was talking to him that their their preseason was aimed for May to be right in May, and they sacrificed some games early on. Now that's a risky business in the top fourteen. And Ronan's, uh, they're, playing, they're running fourth at the moment. They've got one more game coming up, a tough one away. Yeah. So they're still not, and that's a really tight competition the top 14. Let's put that to one side. But Ronan had his team rocking and rolling, ready in, in May to play well in May. And he deserves huge credit for it. Matt makes that. a very interesting point, Jerry. And I suppose you're thinking, Matt, of coaches like, for instance, Eddie O'Sullivan takes the big job, he gets bad at the other end, and nobody picks up the phone really again. I suppose the, the counter-argument might be the careers of a Graham Hendry and a Warren Gatland, who, you know, Gatland reignites his career after the disappointment of Ireland, has this long career operating at a very top level. You have Graham Hendry, similarly, off to Wales and then the big job. So, you know, who knows what way O'Gara sees it or how the chips may fall. Yep, absolutely. He's definitely um, built something very special there at La Rochelle. It's, his family are very settled there. He loves Ile de where he lives. He, 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 it's a beautiful city. You, I don't know, you've been there. I've been there a couple of times. Gorgeous city. He even did a little bit of a tourism for La Rochelle. He was promoting it after the aftermath of the win. I think I agree with Matt totally. I think he should stay there for a good chunk of time and build something special. Um, but I do think this, by winning the Heineken Champions Cup, by, by becoming a European champion, effectively in his first season as a head coach, as you say, it's so ahead of schedule, that really... Um, it's set him up. You can never tell in coaching and Mark knows better than anybody. It's a fickle business and a couple of years can be a long time, you know, and you never know what's down the road. But he's now a Champions Cup winner as a head coach in his first season. See what he builds with La Rochelle over the next few years. It's it's a as it's a brutally tough competition, the top fourteen. But you know, if he keeps the main contenders in both competitions and adds more silverware, then and Stark can only rise. I don't know. I don't ever see him managing or coach, head, being head coach of England, but I do think what this success has done will, is give him a longer shot at this because it's not necessarily long innings often for coaches, Matt also well knows, but now he gets, he gets a good chunk of time with La Rochelle most probably. This success means that there will, as you say, be offers in the future. You know, you could see him at a premiership club wanting to hire him. You could start to see Munster wanting to hire him. You yeah. could see other top 14 clubs wanting to hire him. But ultimately, Joe, I've no doubt at all that he will be one day Irish head coach. Yeah, a lot of credit in the bank. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the specifics of the game then. Matt, Jerry mentioned Leinster slightly um, outcoached, outthought, outplayed in his uh, newspaper report. What were the defining aspects here from a La Rochelle point of view? How did they, above anybody else this season, how did they do a number on Leinster here? I'll throw one simple stat at you, Joe. Leinster made 225 tackles. They missed 15. Lara Shaw made 88, missing seven. Now, that's a staggering, staggering number of tackles that Leinster had to make. And Lara Shaw, now, a lot of those were in the last moments. The fatiguing factor of that is incredible. 
as as difficult as defending is on the best of times for an Irish team in that heat, uh, the last five minutes, and we've got to give Leinster some credit here, they were heroic in what they were doing there in defence. And there was a couple of tough calls. Without doubt, when Michael Alatoa was penalised for hands on the ball, referee Barnes got that very, very wrong. That was a penalty to Leinster. And if he had given that penalty to Leinster, it's odds that Leinster would have won the game. In, in likewise, uh, when Leinster were pounding on the La Rochelle try line there when they took their last uh, second-last penalty, uh, there's no doubt Will Skelton should have been sin-binned. They were slowing the ball down. They were off their feet. They were diving. So the, the margins, I guess my point is the margins were fine. So before we condemn Leinster and, and raise Ronan said, who was only in the last minutes, the margins were fine. But there is no doubt that that is one of the, the, the La Rochelle win is one of the biggest turn-ups in the history of the tournament. There is no doubt about that. Leinster have been the best team in this tournament by a considerable margin. And to force them to make 225 tackles, which meant La Rochelle held the ball. And all the La Rochelle players that I interviewed and spoke to after the game said the same thing. The game plan was hold the ball, hold the ball. And they did hold the ball for long periods of the time. And apart from that first... Um, try and an excellent try by Ryan Rule. Leinster sort of did see what they were, were doing and I thought the Leinster centres tackled their heart out and played absolutely so courageously. There were so many courageous players wearing blue and yellow and black on the day. But that one thing of saying so simply, let's hold the ball, let's not let's give away penalties, but we're not going to let them get their attacking game going. And really, they didn't. Leinster couldn't get the attacking game going. Larashaw were quite content to give away three all the time, all the time. I thought referee Barnes should have brought the yellow card out much sooner. Uh, Alan Quinlan was saying it in the TV commentary, and I agree with him. I thought there was at least three times during that game where a yellow card should have come out. And to give away the yellow card, as Larashaw did, as Ronan's word again, was almost career-defining for the player who stuck his foot out. It was a crazy penalty to give away in a in a uh, final, mm. but that was the winning. That was the winning of the game. No, it's, it's just it's, the simple. It's very interesting. Let's yeah. hold it. And, 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 and just one point to expand on maybe, and then Jerry, please come in on all of this. So you say La Rochelle at times were more than happy to give this Leinster juggernaut three. And yet, oh, yeah, no, Leinster were also happy to take three at times in this game as well. Like you think of the opening exchanges where Sexton, and this is the, the Leinster way, you know, over however many number of years now, kicks for the corner and they are turned over in the La Rochelle 22. And that, we don't see Leinster go to the corner too often after that. And indeed, Sexton unprompted, which was kind of interesting, this kind of stream of consciousness answer, unprompted afterwards, he was saying, well, people will say, well, we should have kicked for the corner more. And it's, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And, you know, we, 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 we made the decision as best we could or, or words to that effect. But he, he brought that up almost. So what about that point, Matt, that they kick for the corner first two, three minutes of the game, real statement. Then they are turned over in the La Rochelle 22 and... I don't know, on the basis of that, they don't do it again. Speak to us about that policy. A very difficult one, you know, and Johnny's right. You know, everyone's an, everyone's an expert afterwards. I thought taking the points was – in the game, my gut feeling when I watched it, take the points right in front. You've had three goes. Referee – and here's the other thing. They've got to play the referee. Referee Barnes was allowing Lara Shell a lot of leeway at the breakdown. 
So that's in Johnny's mind as well. Do I kick the corner, then we don't get any points. Mm. And when they were more than two scores ahead, as I said, I thought Leinster were comfortable. When the sin bin happened, I actually sat back and the Leinster, there were Leinster supporters behind me and everyone said, that's then Lara Scheller finished. And especially when um, uh, 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 Ross Byrne came up and kicked the penalty so confidently. I thought, well, that's them, they're gone. Yeah. Then everything seemed to turn against Leinster in that in that time. And in the end, they turned the ball over and almost never got the ball back after Ross Byrne kicked, kicked the uh, the penalty from the sin bin. They just dominated possession and Leinster were just forced to make tackle after tackle. There is no doubt that Leinster not scoring a try, and I, I'm not sure of the stat. Jerry might be on top of that. I have heard it has been a number of years since Leinster uh, didn't score a try in a, in a European Cup game, in a Heineken Cup game. If Leinster had a score to try, they would have won that game. Mm. So there, there's another factor in it. But again, the fine margins, and aren't we smart sitting here afterwards to be able to say it? Sure. But it, it, it's, it's a, it was no doubt that that was also a factor that that, that Lara Shell, Gregory Aldridge said it to me. Lara Shell believed if they could be within two scores within the last 20 minutes of the 60 minute mark, that they were never going to quit and they had a shot, and that proved to be crucial, and it proved to be correct. Yes, well, it seemed O'Gar, and he said it in a post-match interview, that he was well aware Leinster scored 60% of their points first 20 minutes, La Rochelle scored 60% of their points final 20 minutes, and the team were all well aware of that. Ironically, Jerry, is it probably the 2018 final last time Leinster might have scored a try? Yeah, ironically, that is the last time, yeah, the try this final in the bow. So you can win finals without scoring tries. Mm. Um, it's probably one of the more winnable matches because finals tend to be very tight, taught affairs. Uh, yeah, and it was interesting you said that Johnny was um, of his own volition, came out with this, you know, about questioning himself. Because we know that Johnny likes to gamble with house money and go to the corners a lot. And you remember in the uh, Six Nations against France, the game in lockdown, he got hurt criticised for going to the corner with the last play of the first half, France escape. And the thing about it, there was a penalty in injury time, or in overtime, that they earned after surviving a siege in their own line when the, Danny Friso was rightly penalised for scrumming and whipping the ball, scrum around by Christopher Ridley. And I thought, Lowry, this is another big issue, but that's a separate matter. The way teams now scrummage against Leinster, Stroke Ireland, I thought La Rochelle was scrumming at an angle all day long and weren't, and weren't only penalised for it once. But leaving that aside, so it's, it's now 9-7 and you're relieved to be 9-7 up and you make a break up the right and you get a penalty and it's it's in overtime. So if you don't, if you elect to go for a scrum or a kick to the corner, you almost have to score seven or it's a psychological blow for your opposition because mm. they come out of, and that's what happened with France, you remember. It's the last play of the half and you don't score the seven. Um, then you've given, the, you've given the momentum to the opposition. It's a huge play for the defending side and you can be damn sure La Rochelle would have put their heart and soul into defending that. I went through, it's like, it is, it is curious because Leinster, if you look at it, had a really dominant mall early on and they got a lot of yards out of it, and they got about four penalties. They got, the yards are penalties in at least four of their malls where they went first. And on another occasion, La Rochelle again came in from the side so blatantly and were penalised for that. Danny Bristow again. So, but then ultimately, La Rochelle turned down three in front of the post entering the last 10 minutes. So, no, we're going to stay here until we get a try. So they, they had the courage of their convictions and uh, they went to the corner, went for scrums eventually, you know, Leinster's heroism actually worked against them because it meant that the clock was run down, they didn't have a chance for a restart. Mm. But I looked at all the penalties 
And yeah, the irony being that La Rochelle did get seven points off their mall and Leinster didn't when they had the more potent mall. But every one of the penalties are almost directly in front of the posts. They're not tap-ins to the corner. You're only like, they're, they're, they're very, very, very kickable three points each time. And you could understand like another time was to restore the five point lead early in the second half. Then another time was to make it a two score game that never had that breathing space of being more than seven points clear. They go 18, 10 ahead. So I can understand why in each instance, just the way it, it, it happened on the pitch at the time that Leinster decided they would go for three each time. And, you know, had they won, like in Bilbao, there wouldn't have been much criticism of it. It's all it's all very scoreboard analysis, isn't it? You know, yeah. because because Leinster lost, we're more critical of Leinster. Had they somehow heroically held out, had Wayne Barnes given Michael Allen a toe of that penalty, which he should have done, um, and then we would have been hailing a great, great Leinster heroic defensive rearguard action and, you know, not being at their best, but true champions found a way to win. Meanwhile, La Rochelle find a way to win with like 60, 70, 80 seconds to spare. And if they hadn't, as Ron Nogara said afterwards, they would have been defined by three final defeats in two seasons. Oh, they're bottlers. Um, Liverpool is a prime example of the ridiculously fine margins between success and failure at the very elite level of sport. But um, I do think that on... On the balance of play, I think that Leinster, every time they went for three, they were probably right to do so. Yeah. I think Wayne Barnes had a really overbearing influence on the game. Um, I think he does that. Um, I watched the Stade Francais, Connacht match of the Champions Cup earlier this season. And in the last 15 minutes, the penalty count was 7-0 to Stade Francais, and some of them were ridiculous. And uh, I thought he had an appalling game that day. And I just feared as that end game kept going on and on and on. I think even the final try was with an advantage play, wasn't it, from right here? Yeah. So you just knew... It was almost inevitable. And in actual fact, I don't know about you, Matt or Joe, at around the 74, 75 minute mark, I was like, geez, are Leinster almost better off letting them score here? So at least they have time to go back down the pitch and take the game into extra time or win it. But yeah. unfortunately for them, they didn't have. And so now the post-mortems, and it's going to be, I really I presume you'll come on to this again, but it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a significant and pain, painful defeat for not just Leinster rugby, but I think Irish rugby as well. Mm. Great and all as it is for La Rochelle and the tournament. Magnificent for the tournament. Yeah. I have to say, until Sexton brought up the kicking penalties as opposed to kicking to touch point, it hadn't jumped out to me massively either. I don't think it was a big conversation in our studio or it was just, it was something almost he uh, brought up. Matt, I distinctly remember at half time. So, you know, one of O'Gara's uh, quotes post-match about this team are a 6-0 down and then they're 5 down at half time and probably feel aggrieved and then they're 8 down and the match looks over and then they lose a man to a yellow card self-inflicted as it was and they keep going La Rochelle there's a calmness about them and O'Gara said afterwards we've managed to put some fighting Irish spirit into the Frenchies was his uh, way of putting it the likes of Skelton still going two minutes to go uh, I, I, I distinctly remember you at half time uh, making the point you felt the La Rochelle forwards looked a bit tired or looked like they were liable to get tired and they do as a team almost give you the impression at times that they're gone and then they find second wins and third wins so speak to us about that because at halftime you did feel that way from memory yeah but the the first half I felt Joe was a lot faster than the second half the, the stopping and the scrummaging where the forwards and this is part of the problem with modern scrummaging it allows people to get their breath you can't bring fatigue into the game so when people get fatigued, they make errors. And the constant stoppaging of that second half, look, look, do you remember when the tap, the, the, the La Rochelle got a penalty on half when they did a quick tap? Mm. And that's where the ball, uh, the, the, uh, the ball was knocked into uh, the in goal by 
Jimmy O'Brien, and they had to come out for the line dropout. There were three La Rochelle players on the ground at that point. They were, and they had cramped. They were receiving, they were receiving uh, uh, treatment from the referee. Aldrich was one of them. They were, they were really fatigued. But then that you had a long period where they waited for the dropout. They all got their breath back. There was a series of scrums. It just played into their hands. Now I got to give Will Skelton a lot of credit. He is not renowned for his fitness, and I thought he might do fifty. And the and the young man did eighty and was still going strong at the eighty. But the style of refereeing and the way Lara Shaw managed the game suited them down to the ground. If Leinster, and again, that we've got to give them credit, is not is not an excuse. They Leinster were making tackles. They didn't have the ball in hand. They couldn't get the pace on the game. But when Leinster got the pace on the game as they were doing in that that period in the last minutes of the second half, a first half, Lara Shell were really struggling. That scrum where Lara Shell were penalised was right in front of where I was sitting. And before it, they were really sucking in. And I agree with everything that Jerry said that the way teams are scrummaging against the Irish teams now is highly illegal. And that penalty against uh, Prusa was 100% correct. I've watched the video of it again later. But yes, they were fatigued. But again, again, here's your match management. The management of how they played that game was was very, very good. Yeah. But that, that they just couldn't. Leinster couldn't get any tempo on the game. To finish on that point, Joe, this is and, and let's put the, the credits to Lara Shell out out of the way. This is a very damaging loss for Leinster. This is this is going to yesterday. There was a lot of text messages going between the old Leinster community. And all of us were just saying, this is going to be one that's going to sit with this club for a long, long, long time. It's going to be a hard one to throw off. Even in the next seven days, how do they throw that off and get their heads around winning the next URC competition? This is this is a loss that's going to really sit deep within the psyche of the club. And I, I really feel for them. I'm not trying to say that to hurt them. I'm trying to say that I really feel... For Leo, the pain on Leo's face when I was interviewing yeah. him just before we came on, like he just looked at me and said, "Matt, make it quick." And and the poor guy, you know, I was, I can't tell you how I can't put into words how sorry I felt for him and for the players, the tears and the emotions. They were destroyed by that loss, and uh, and it will take them some time to put that into perspective lick their wounds and get and get about their life again. It was it was a very, very, very tough day for them. Yeah, Jerry, let's explore that a bit because any team can get to a final and, and lose and that's just the way things go at elite sport and you say, well, look, that can happen. It's not easy to win these things. And yet for Leinster here, the pattern is now increasingly well-established post-Bilbao 2018. It has been Saracens... Uh, twice Newcastle and then at the Aviva when the scrum malfunctioned and now it's been La Rochelle twice both times in France Will Skelton always it seems <laughs> and so y- you can imagine one of the one of the reasons Leo Cullen is slumped and Lancaster slumped and the players are, are slumped is that throughout this season I've been listening to uh, all you guys talking about the fact that Leinster have taken the lessons of those previous defeats and they have adapted they are less risk averse their rook speed is 2.8 seconds they get into contact and they find soft shoulders and their their footwork is so good and they place the ball their rook speed you know you're not you're not going to slow this team down and 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 so this this hope was bubbling away and this great work i'm sure was being done and bang here they are at what i would call with the greatest respect to Leicester and to that Toulouse side 
after the Munster game and coming back again like that to lose sight they arrive here not road tested again but feeling that they've done enough and they've adapted enough and bang it's same old story it's back to square one it's back to the drawing board and that is a lot to handle I would think for that coaching ticket yeah yeah it is an awful lot to handle because um Leinster didn't just have a two-week run into this final. They had a 13-month run into yes. this final. Yes. Their whole game was re- reinvented entirely on the premise of what went wrong against La Rochelle behind closed doors in Stade de Flandre 13 months ago. Everything they've done was designed for that never to happen again. And they improved in so many aspects. They became less e- easier to read defensively, so there wasn't as many one-off carriers. They, were, you know, they weren't as tailor-made for a La Rochelle side that under O'Gara and he defensive player attacks the ball they just go absolutely all out like I freeze frame that one of the clips in the final and there's a fair bit of space out in the left wing for James they, they, they gamble they almost conceded the outside at times just by cutting it off and they they rushed up really hard and they played in Sexton's face and in the face of the carriers and you know they gave away their few offside penalties but it was they counted this new Leinster game. They found a way of countering it. And um, Leinster's defence actually, in many ways, was improved, I think, on the semi-final last year. They double-tackled Will Skelton very effectively. He went the full 80 and he definitely had impact. And because they were better equipped to get over the game line through him and Aldred and Bugrid and Preso and others, they were able to get to the edges themselves far better than Leinster were. But by and large... His, he wasn't the quite the wrecking ball he's been in the past and last year or certainly in the final. He didn't play in the quarterfinal in the Viva. So there were, but, but ultimately to reinvent their game and come up short against the same opponents for which they reinvented their game is um, what they do next, you know? How do they counter this? And I fear as well that, as well as the psychological scars that Matt has spoken about it's just so tough like you outperform 22 other teams in the competition and it's the worst place to lose isn't it the final it just is the worst place to lose because you're so close and the bounce of the ball didn't go their way just and then they come up so short and now they've got to go away and um, they've got to you know really absorb, they'll do a much deeper I don't know how they pick themselves up for the URC which with the best win in the world is like going from Champions um, league to the Europa League isn't it and it's just somehow picking themselves up for that Glasgow at home the RDS next weekend for fans alike you know I think we we in Irish rugby and that includes us in the media Joe we we invest so much into European rugby uh, you wonder sometimes it's almost too much do Lens want to win that final too much and it means that we're only being we're only judging the provinces and they only judge themselves by what they do in Europe. Um, and that's a very high threshold. If your season is not a success, if you don't win the Heineken Champions Cup, that's really not leaving you much margin for error. But such are the ridiculous standards that Leinster set for themselves because they're just a, you know an outstanding organisation and played outstanding rugby. As Matt said, by a lot of metrics, we're the best team in the competition this season and now have to go away and try again. But on a positive note, that final was in, that was an away game. And I've spoken, I spoke to you about this last week, Joe. Mm. France away against the French side is just the toughest country in the world. I was into win. I was spoke to Rob Carney about this for a piece I did last Saturday, and he said the very same. It's the toughest place to go and win. Leinster have now had eight knockout matches in France against French teams and have lost six, including the last five. The last five was in against Claremont and Bordeaux a decade ago. But it's just a little bit disconcerting that there's a bit of a pattern coming here. 
And that when you think of France and the Six Nations, the last two games, and the way they shut down this new Ireland stroke Leinster for large tracks of that Six Nations game, I just fear that, ironically, Ronan O'Gara has given a little bit of a blueprint on how to take on Leinster and Ireland in the future by taking a leaf out of the Sean Edwards manual, ironically. Mm. But mm. I do think it's it's the repercussions of this one are quite severe. The one positive note I was about to say was next year's final is in the Aviva, so they won't have that problem. They made a French side then. Yeah. No away semi-final in France, the order of the day. Matt, to what extent then for you are Leinster in this odd space whereby they're so much better than the majority of the rest and then they keep arriving at this pinch point in Europe and it feels like things aren't road tested. Like if you take the rook speed alone, how often can you recall Leinster this year having to play a game where the rook speed was really slow, where they had, they had slow ball and they had to adapt and break down a fence with slow ball? It seems like they, they breeze through the vast majority of the season and... And then uh, they're in this pattern. And like, like they can't win it every year. You tell me all the time how difficult it is, but we're now into four years, so it is a pattern. Yeah, Joe, look, it's... If I, if I just... If I, I sit back and I'm un, unemotional about it, and I, I was emotional in that I wanted to see my old club and Leo do really well. I didn't want to see Ronan and Donica lose, but I just certainly didn't want to see the club lose. I want to see them win. Now... But they led for 78 minutes, you know. Like, we, we got to also, if if you're the old sage talking to Leo, he's mate, you led it for 78 minutes, you beat every other team in the competition. It was a very hot day, you're away from home, you had to do 225 tackles, they only did 88. There's not a lot wrong. No, but you didn't m- win. M- maybe, maybe the broader context, the, the last four years, maybe. Yeah, but, but, you know, you could use that with anyone. Saracens, they haven't done it. Leicester haven't done it in years. Claremont haven't done it. Uh, 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 Toulouse have come back from the dead and done it. No, no, so, no, so to, 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 totally. But we're we're not sitting here espousing. Len- we're we're not sitting here saying, well, they're the great team in Europe. Whereas we do say that about Leinster. So maybe we're wrong about that. No, you're not. And they're doing it with twenty local boys. The Leinster story is an extraordinary story. There were there were Springboks, French players. Uh, uh, all Blacks, you do the Maori, you know, there, there, were, there, was, there was a huge spectrum of international talent there for La Rochelle. And good on him. I'm not, that's not, and obviously, Gregory Alder is probably one of the best French players in, uh, of his generation. Leinster had 20 local boys. That's an extraordinary story. And you know what? They're going to be 20 local boys again there next year. And there's going to be 20 local boys a year after. That's because that's their Irish rugby is putting out their pro- – provincial teams for the good of the national team. And that's that's the, the limits that the provincial teams have to do. Do they need another couple of forwards or a big second rower? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. How do they fit it in when they've got all the young guys here and they're only allowed three overseas players? Because that's what the IRFU say. We've got a box with the, with the gloves we've got, with the fists we've got, and they're boxing okay. Can they win it next year? Yes. Should they have won it this year? Well, they could have. But La Rochelle on the day, and that sport – on the day, for a minute and a half, they weren't good enough. And you've got to live with that, or they have to live with that for the rest of their lives. And that's really tough. Mm. But that's still going to happen next year, Joe. And it doesn't matter how much we say. They won it in Bilbao with 20 local boys. The next couple of years, they didn't. They were close this year. With a home quarterfinal, a home final next year, will it help? It will. But the South Africans are in. And this whole round of 16 is designed to minimise the impact of Irish rugby on the winning of it because it favours the French, 
the, the South Africans and the English. It minimises the Celts and the Italians. So whether Irish teams actually get another shot again, we don't know. But to make semis and make finals and to lose is frustrating and heartbreaking, but it does not make your club a failure. No, absolutely. Look, no one is saying failure. No one is saying failure. No, but, no, but, no, 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 you're not. Yeah, but I, I suppose, Jerry, Jerry, I'll give you a final word on, on, on this particular point. It's just we do sit here and espouse Leinster week in, week out. There's almost a degree of, well, geez, they can't play any better. You know, I, I find most weeks, based on their European and URC performances, and they are the best team in Europe pretty much. And yet, there is an and yet. Yeah, there is the and yet because we know how desperately they want it and we know that they're good enough and they've worked so hard to get back there this year. Um, and, you know, after three setbacks in a row, final, quarterfinal and semi-final, then slightly reinvent your game, brilliant new players coming through, knowing that the likes of Johnny Sexton and Keen Healy won't have any more cracks at this, how desperate they want it, they're good enough to get it. It's just, that makes it all the more disappointing for them. Um, and I suppose it's because they've... Um, their supporters are spoiled by success and they kind of spoiled themselves, haven't they? With four Heineken Cups. I mean, only Toulouse have ever had any more, have ever won more. And Toulouse were winning the first ones. They got much, I think they'd won three, if not four, by the time Lenzer got on the winning podium. Yeah. So, like, if, if, you, if, you go pro, if you go through the best since 2009, I'm sure Lenzer have been the most successful team in the competition in that, in that period. And I'm reminded of something Stuart Lancaster said to us having said it to the players last year after the La Rochelle semi-final defeat, he just went in and he spoke to them that, you know, New England Patriots are regarded as the greatest um, American football team of the 21st century. Six Super Bowls. Isn't that right, Joe? Six Super Bowls. You're more into this than I am. Six Super Bowls in 20 years, he said. And what does that tell you? That in 14 years, they didn't win it. They lost. You know, it happens to great sides as well, unfortunately, yeah. like Leinster. Jack Nicholas finished second in 19 majors. Wow, yeah, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it, it speaks to his brilliance, you know, for all his 18, mm. his 18 major wins. He was uh, he was a choker 19 times, you know, <laughs> so I, I do accept these are their standards we're talking about. <laughs> um, just to wrap up then. So for, for uh, Jerry mentioned Irish rugby, Matt, I mean, if we kind of look at Leinster as representatives of Irish rugby and bulk suppliers and uh, what it might mean in that respect. I mean, certainly the way France went after the breakdown and the way La Rochelle went after the breakdown, you feel like you could draw a line from Stade de France to Marseille. What else jumps out to you about, you know, Penny for Andy Farrell's thoughts on the back of that uh, defeat? Well, it's really, Joe, look, as you know, I've been sitting in studio for the last couple of years with you and I, I've got to say, as much as I miss being in studio, it was great being on the sideline because there's just so much... So many great rugby minds there. And when I walked along and spoke to everyone from, from Lawrence Delalio, Shawnee O'Brien was there, obviously Brian O'Driscoll, uh, uh, Austin Healy was there. Every, I didn't have one person say to me they, they thought Lara Shaw would win, mm. except Sean Edwards was there. And I've known Sean for many years. Uh, went back, he played rugby league in Sydney for the Balmain Tigers. That jersey behind me is the jersey he wore in 1989. And I was talking to him about, about a few things. And he said, what about today? And I said, well, it's, how can you say it's not going to be Leinster when you look at everything? And he said, the French think they can win. And that's exactly – that. he didn't go on and say – explain to me how they were going to do it. He just said to me, the, the French think they can win. So it does tell you that and, – and let me also put it I, – I think France can certainly win the World Cup next year. So if if – Ireland can go toe-to-toe with France and toe-to-toe with New Zealand on any given day, which I believe they can, 
that means they've got a shot at it. And, it's, and the, the World Cup, as we saw last year with England, last World Cup cycle with England, it's all about who turns up on the day. They turned up against the Kiwis and they couldn't do it a week later. Last week, Leinster were poor. And we got we all know they weren't at their best. So, mate, that's just, just the way it is. Mm. Joe, I do have to head off, mate. I'm, I'm getting called away here. No problem so at all. I'll, we're pretty much done anyway. Thank you so much, mate. Appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. We'll see you soon. Matt Williams there. Jerry, do you want to expand on that or what you think Andy Farrell might uh, make of what happened or is it all irrelevant? No, I don't think it's irrelevant at all, actually, because um, Leinster have played such brilliant rugby and Ireland have played such brilliant rugby in the last year, two years, that um, a bit like, you know, at the peak time in the Joe Schmidt era, more people take notice of you, more people respect you and more people, it's it's a much smaller world rugby than football and um, everybody watches, will have watched from all around the world, coaches, opposite coaches everywhere, players would watch, particularly coaches would watch what happened in the Six Nations in Paris and watch what happened last Saturday in Marseille and say, ah, so that's how you stop them. Because, you know, it, at times when they really clicked, they like what were they, they were averaging seven tries a game, Leinster, over 40 points. Like, nobody had yeah. ever done this in the history of the Heineken Cup. Like, Toulouse couldn't contain them. Leicester couldn't contain them. Um, Montpellier and Bath were blown away. In hindsight, yes, I think particularly Toulouse, that, that semi-final did them no favours because the Toulouse defence was so passive by mm. comparison to La Rochelle's defence. But clearly, if you go after them illegally in the scrum, you might get joy. If you go after them illegally at the breakdown, slow down their ruck ball. And then if you shoot up offside and you cut off the outside edges and you play in their faces, you can stop this team from playing um, um, rugby. And I think that, um, unfortunately, that will now be the template moving forward for how to play um, Ireland. And particularly, um, like as, as I said earlier, and Matt said... I, Arnica's got a little bit of a name now for somehow being a weak scrummaging nation. And I think that uh, whether it's since Greg Feek left or not, but it's just, it, it's, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not, it's just yeah. the fact that it has a reputation. And I think that not only the All Blacks this summer, but even Scotland, South Africa and Samoa at the next World Cup will probably, or Tonga, would probably go after uh, the Irish scrum. And that's just, and the Leinster scrum next season in Europe as well. That's just the way it is, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think um, I think there are, there are consequences of this Leinster defeat that um, translate into the international arena, if you like. Okay, very interesting. Well, listen, thank you so much. There is a degree, once again, with Leinster, where we take their excellence for granted for much of the season and then we uh, stand there and say, well, what have you done for us lately when they fall at the hurdle? Ultimately, I think you genuflect before O'Gara and say what, he, what he's done with this team, the grit he has imbued them with, the calm, the... Uh, the fight in them and the resilience you just say what an absolutely extraordinary coaching performance you know it really was absolutely hats off to him fair play to him Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times thanks so much Jerry appreciate it cheers Joe cheers again to Jerry and to Matt our rugby coverage and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us